This is Archive Atlanta, episode 206, Morehouse College. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. This week I'm checking off another Atlanta pillar of higher education, the famed Morehouse College. We're covering its earliest iteration in Augusta, Georgia, its move to Atlanta, its first deans, presidents, professors, famous graduates, important buildings. We are talking about as much as we can in 20 minutes or less, which is not going to be all the things. So prepare yourself. I'm warning you beforehand. You know, I am. I cannot cover all the things, um, but I hopefully get people more interested in learning more about it. Before we get into the details, we need to back up and talk about the history of African-American education in the United States. In the South, before the Civil War and during the chattel slavery system, educating enslaved black people was a crime. The first post-Civil War schools were formerly secret schools that were operating openly by January of 1865. Northern Freedmen AIDS organizations began establishing schools in mid-1865, and seven of those organizations were active in Georgia. So if you listen to episode five about Gaines Hall, I talked about Atlanta University, which was the first historically black college university in Atlanta. There were different denominations working in these efforts, but the first Baptist institution for African-American education was created by Reverend Edmund Turney in 1864 as the National Theological Institute in Washington, D.C., At an 1867 annual meeting, the NTI, as I am shortening it to, decided to merge with the already established American Baptist Home Mission Society. And then by 1870, the Mission Society had absorbed all of the NTI schools. So the story of Morehouse begins with the story of the Augusta Institute. Richard Coulter was born in Augusta, enslaved, and then brought by his owner to Virginia, where he then escaped to Washington, D.C., As a free man there, he attended the National Theological Institute, and in 1866, he returned to Augusta with a letter from Reverend Turney authorizing him to start a school. When he gets home, he realizes he's not quite sure how to start a school, and so he asks for the assistance of William Jefferson White, a prominent biracial undertaker. Correspondence between White and Turney shows that White asked him to collect potential students and that he would send a teacher. 37 students' names were collected, but no teacher was sent. Instead, they chose someone local to provide instruction. The first class of the Augusta Institute was held in 1867, which, like I just mentioned, was the same year that the NTI and the American Home Baptist Mission merged. And so the American Home Baptist Mission came to check out this new baby school, and they gave it rave reviews. Its original aim was to train preachers and related teachers, and from 1871 to 1878, the institute had 245 students, 150 of whom were preparing for the ministry. By 1879, the school had moved to Atlanta and incorporated as the Atlanta Baptist Seminary. Now, while the move happened during the tenure of President Roberts, and by the way, President Roberts was the one that removed women and girls from attending this school and made it a boys-only school. So while he was, again, kind of during his tenure is when they moved, this move to Atlanta was really credited to Reverend Frank Quarles, the pastor of Friendship Baptist, and the president of the Missionary Baptist Convention of Georgia. 
The organization purchases a lot from Richard Peters for $2,500, and a brick building was erected at the corner of Elliott and West Hunter Streets. Being in Atlanta brought a whole new set of students with differing needs. And this is when it's divided into a preparatory school, a normal school, and a theology school. So three different divisions. Preparatory meaning basic education. Normal was more like college prep courses. And then theology is self-explanatory. In 1885, Samuel Graves takes over the presidency and he led the school to its third move. In 1888, the Atlanta Baptist Seminary found 14 acres on a hilltop, which is a portion of their current location today, and then began construction around 1889. This hill was part of Diamond Hill, also known as Jenningstown, which was a black community immediately after the Civil War. And short aside here, but most African-American shantytowns, as they were called, were in low-lying floodplain areas. But Diamond Hill was different. And while it did have rough roads and inadequate water supply, I don't think it is a coincidence that this land would later become the center of Atlanta's HBCUs. The first building built was Graves Hall, originally just called the main building, and the cornerstone was laid in the spring of 1889. There were only six teachers at this time, and only one of them was black, future President John Hope. The library had 2,700 volumes, and one-third of its students were studying for the ministry. Enrollment in 1890 was 233 students, and that same year, the third white man became president of Morehouse, George Sale. African-American baseball in Atlanta has a huge history with HBCUs. Um, They were all recruited really from these colleges. So baseball was the first sport organized at Morehouse in 1890, and the Atlanta University team was undefeated for seven years until an upset from Morehouse in that first year team. Atlanta's three other black schools, Atlanta University, Morris Brown, and Clark, joined Morehouse and they formed a Negro League of like a six-game series that they would play amongst themselves because this was still a segregated sport. In 1897, the school's charter was amended with full college powers, and so the institution's name changed to the Atlanta Baptist College. It then also changed the name of that first building to Graves Hall, to honor its former president. And then in 1898, the second building was erected named Quarles Memorial Hall for Reverend from Pritchard Baptist. In 1898, the Athenium, I think I said that right, became Morehouse's first student-led publication. And then by the 1920s, it became a joint paper with Spelman College. It was published monthly during the school year and included poems, uh, clubs, editorials, you know, campus news, sports, local ads, In 1924, Spellman was no longer associated with the paper, and so in 1925, the Athenium was officially discontinued, and then Morehouse students founded the Maroon Tiger. The Maroon Tiger featured similar news and events, and it is still in publication today. The Robert Woodruff Library Digital Archives, which are amazing, by the way. They have all the issues going back to 1917, and they are a wonderful resource and just a general history rabbit hole that if you're looking for, you know, spend some time, definitely check those out. John Hope was born in Augusta, Georgia in 1868 to a white father and a black mother, which was super rare for that time and place. James Hope was born in Scotland, immigrated to New York City, and then moved to Augusta, And there he met Mary Butts, who was a free black woman who was born in Georgia. Now, although the law prevented them from being legally married, John Hope's parents lived openly as husband and wife. 
John's father died when he was eight, and he had to leave school after eighth grade to work to support his family. Eventually, he would graduate from Worcester Academy and later Brown University, and he would return to the South, first teaching at a university in Nashville, and then finally moving to Atlanta to become the classics professor at Atlanta Baptist College. In 1906, Hope was named president of the future Morehouse, the first man of African-American descent to hold that title. And 1906, if you've been listening to the podcast, was also a pretty important year because we had the 1906 race massacre. So it was a tumultuous time in Atlanta's history for him to take over. He held that title until the 1930s, and he saw the school through its most important changes and general expansion. In 1902, the first president's house was constructed. In 1910, they built the new Sale Hall, which was built by a black contractor named Pharaoh, and it was partially funded with $10,000 from Andrew Carnegie. The Morehouse Glee Club was formed in 1911, stemming from small music ensembles that had existed on campus since the 1870s. From 1903 to 1911, there was a choral ensemble directed by three women, and then in 1911, Uh, I think his name was Kemper Harold, joined the staff at Atlanta Baptist College, and he kind of united everything into the Glee Club that we know today. They performed for Franklin Delano Roosevelt three times. They sang at the funeral of Martin Luther King Jr., Jimmy Carter's inauguration, and the 1996 Summer Olympics. In 1913, Atlanta Baptist College was renamed to honor Reverend Henry Lyman Morehouse. Morehouse was born in Stamford, New York, and spent 40 years working in various positions within the American Baptist Home Mission. In 1917, Robert Hall was constructed by contractor Alexander Hamilton, who I covered in episodes 2 and 67. And then, side note, that is also the dormitory of Dr. King when he attended Morehouse. Fraternities are such an iconic part of HBCUs today, but initially, President John Hope was against the formation of fraternities at Morehouse. But Greek life did get its start in 1921, with Kappa Alpha Psi chapter was founded. That was originally formed in 1911 at Indiana University. This was followed in 1922 by Omega Psi Phi, which had first started the ETA chapter it at Atlanta University in 1919. So this was the first undergraduate Omega chapter in the Deep South, which also claimed future Morehouse president Benjamin E. Mays as a member, as well as the majority of Morehouse's presidents. In 1924, Alpha Phi Alpha formed, which claims W.B. Du Bois, Martin Luther King Jr., Thurgood Marshall, Paul Robeson, and John Hope as members. And let me just give a shout out to a great friend, uh, Dr. Jarrison Williams, who is a Morehouse graduate. I ran this episode by him. He's also an Omega. And so he had some great feedback. Um, But I'll say this, if this was up to him, this might have turned into an Omega episode. And so I have tried to be fair to the three fraternities. (laughs) But if I sound a little bit biased, this is why. 1929 was a big year for all of Atlanta's HBCUs as it marked the creation of what today we call the Atlanta University Center, or the AUC. Morehouse's history has always been tied closely with Spelman, which was created in 1881. And fun fact I learned from Jarrison is that John Hope was in the same Brown class as John D. Rockefeller, who played a significant role in the funding of Spelman, and it was actually named for his wife. 
From 1884 to 1913, these two schools shared commencement exercises. President John Hope had a very early awareness that Atlanta University would in time become a graduate school. And his wife, Lugenia Hope Burns, um, who I talked about in the Neighborhood Union episode, which I think episode 42, she had created the Neighborhood Union, and that really became the basis of Atlanta University's School of Social Work. In 1912, Atlanta University joined with Clark, Morehouse, Morris Brown, and Gammon Theological to form the Atlanta Federation of Schools for the Improvement of Negro Country Life. They also worked together on a study of crime in the city of Atlanta. By 1914, we see the first joint courses, Business Law and Ethics, being shared between Morehouse and Atlanta University with meetings alternated between both campuses. By the 1920s, Morehouse, Spelman, and AU operated a joint summer school, and several faculty members held joint appointments between both schools. In 1929, a committee was formed between Morehouse and Spelman trustees to discuss cooperation that would save costs. So by April 1st of that year, the formal contract of affiliation, as it was called, was signed by Presidents Adams, Hope, and Reed of AU, Morehouse, and Spelman, respectively. And this made Atlanta University a graduate school, and Morehouse and Spelman remained undergrad. I could go on and on about this AUC history, but this is a Morehouse episode. So I'm going to end this by explaining that the Atlanta University moniker was given in 1942. And each school retains their own presidents, but they are members of the AUC Consortium, Inc., In 1940, Benjamin E. Mays is sworn in as Morehouse 6 president. And similar to Hope, I want to go into his term with a little bit more detail because he was so influential. Born in South Carolina in 1894 to formerly enslaved parents, Benjamin briefly attended a university in Virginia before graduating with his B.A. from Bates College in 1920. In 1921, he became an ordained Baptist minister. He then received his M.A. and Ph.D. from the University of Chicago before serving as the dean of Howard School of Religion from 1934 to 1940. Mays took on the role of Morehouse president at a really rough time. It is the tail end of the Depression, and the college was in severe financial distress, so much so that Atlanta University had taken control of their finances. Mays focused on collecting unpaid tuition and revising the curriculum to be more in line with what was called the New Negro Movement, broad term that encompassed this new post-World War I Black American. You know, like we fought for a country, we are moving away from accommodationist strategies, focusing on racial pride, cultural expressions, economic independence, and very progressive politics. Within two years, Mays was so successful that Morehouse was able to regain control of their finances. And then we have World War II. So that's new struggles, new wars. There are many students being drafted, which I briefly talked about in the Montford Point Marine episode. Um, There was some Morehouse students that were drafted. So a lot of officials wanted to close colleges during this time. And Benjamin Mays was publicly against this idea, and he instead suggested that Morehouse lower their enrollment age, which would attract those too young to be enlisted. I didn't confirm this, but I suspect that this opened the door for a 15-year-old kid from Atlanta to enroll in 1944. That kid was Martin Luther King Jr., 
His connection and relationship with Benjamin E. Mays has been written about in many places, and Mays' influence on Dr. King cannot be understated. MLK graduated in 1948, and of course, his life is a whole other episode for another day. But when King was assassinated in 1968, Mays delivered the eulogy at Morehouse. I'm going to use King as a quick segue into Morehouse's other famous graduates, a list so extensive it has its own Wikipedia page that I will link in the show notes. Among them is Martin Luther King Sr., who attended the Morehouse School of Religion in 1926. King's brother and sons are also Morehouse men. Student movement leader Julian Bond, the first black mayor of Atlanta, Maynard Jackson, director Spike Lee, actor Samuel Jackson, who, by the way, was expelled in 1969 for locking board members in a building during a protest, one of whom was Dr. Martin Luther King Sr. There's also rapper Killer Mike, Herman Cain, and new Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock. In my personal life, I have had the privilege of meeting and working with several Morehouse men, and let me tell you, they are really some of the most incredible people I've ever met. In 1975, the Morehouse School of Medicine was formed as a two-year program in the basic sciences. The first students were enrolled in 1978, and it became independent from Morehouse in 1981. So it was fully accredited to award MD degrees in 1985. So there you have it, the story of Morehouse College. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review. You can visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.